Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and Charlotte and I are so excited because we have a very special guest here with us today on the show. We have Miss Lindsay Romaine from Nerdist. Hello, Lindsay. How are you doing? Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm doing very well. We're so happy to have you on. We are such huge fans of your writing, especially recently. You've been writing so much about Ben Demption and Raylo, and we just like, we truly cannot get enough. And I just want to say from the bottom of, you know, as an ambassador, I suppose, of the Raylo community <laughs> that I'm appointing myself as right now, because I don't, I never really feel like that. I just want to say thank you for your amazing work. Oh, well, thank you guys. I will say, like, I just started, like, recently, like, found out about Sky Talkers and went back and binged a lot. And uh, it's definitely, like, helped feed some of my <laughs> my passion oh. to, like, keep writing stuff, too. So oh, it's so mutual. nice. Thank you. Thank <laughs> yeah. you so much. Of course. So why don't we begin with what's your Star Wars story and how'd you get into it? Yeah, it's funny. I was actually thinking about this earlier today because I was like, it's so weird. Star Wars is something that pre-exists my own life. I'm 30, so it's been out, you know, a lot longer than I've even been around. So it's something that was just always vaguely there. Um, I grew up with an older brother, which I feel like is almost impossible to not have been exposed to like Legos and all the toys and stuff. Um, so yeah, I really just grew up, my family was big into Star Wars too. So I was very aware that I don't have any clear memory of like the first time I watched a Star Wars movie. I remember it just kind of being on. I remember my sister and I having toys and I was a prequel era kid. Like I was 10, I think when Phantom Menace came out. So, you know, right around there. And I really clearly remember the first time I got super into it was Revenge of the Sith. Cause that was timed perfectly to me being like an emo teenager. <laughs> so <laughs> I would think I was like 14 or 15 when it came out. So I was like really into Hayden Christensen um really into like the the romance aspect of that so yeah that's like when I first I remember like being into Star Wars was Revenge of the Sith and then I really I I was never like in the fandom necessarily it was just something I enjoyed I would say around the sequel trilogy is when I started writing more professionally about pop culture and stuff and that's really when I like got super duper into it because I was really a big fan of all the cast and creatives getting put together. And that's just when I, I felt like, okay, this is like a story super made for me and my interests. So yeah, I credit the sequel trilogy with really getting me in there. <laughs> the sequel trilogy has done so much, I feel like, yeah. uh, for fandom. Cause I mean, I mean, that's when Charlotte and I first started talking more about Star Wars um, and talking about the idea of putting ourselves into fandom more because up until that point, it had really like we were the only people we talked to Star Wars about was just yeah. two of there. and the Force Awakens and and Rogue One was when we were like, no, like there's a bigger conversation going on here and we need to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah. And that's when we first joined Twitter was really talking about that. And then, of course, um, we started the podcast. Um, so the sequel trilogy. The sequel trilogy has put a lot of – has encouraged a lot of great and, and varied voices to talk more about their relationship and their love and their interpretations of Star Wars. And for that, I will always be grateful. <laughs> yeah, I think that's – you're exactly right. Like that is also – I can't act, like act like the fact that there's a female lead and that there's more diversity wasn't something that made me feel like it was – you know, speaking to me a little more directly this time. So mm -hmm. 
that played a huge part. I will also say, I mean, not to already get into like Adam Driver territory, but I was a big, <laughs> uh, I was a big fan of Girls. Mm-hmm. That was one of the first shows I ever covered professionally. And when I heard that he got mm-hmm. cast, I was like, interesting. <laughs> I was like, what, whatever they're doing with Star Wars is going to be fascinating. So that really like, he seemed like such a weird choice to me, but that had me interested super early on since he was I think the first person cast so yeah it's so funny that you mentioned that because I remember that casting choice as well and having watched girls I was like oh interesting I was like kind of scratching my head a little bit but a a perfect choice best choice ever cannot (laughs) say enough good things obviously yeah Yeah, it was just like it made my like the wheels in my head get turning I was like what are they gonna do with this guy Mm -hmm. right Kind of talking about Adam Driver, which we could all do for a very long time, um, <laughs> and Kylo Ren. So we know that you're a Bedemptionist and you support Raylo. When did was so like for Charlotte and I, we were Bedemptionists from the beginning, but we weren't. We didn't start shipping Raylo until after the Last Jedi. Did you have kind of a similar trajectory, or was yours a little different? I think mine's pretty much exactly the same. I feel like I was always, I mean, redemption is such a huge part of Star Wars to me. Like it's kind of the part of Star Wars to me. So I think from the beginning, I was always like, I don't see a way where this story ends, this trilogy ends without Kylo having some kind of redemption. I don't know exactly what I think it will look like. I don't have any kind of really sharp theory there, but yeah, I think I was always really like married to the idea of him somehow turning back to the light especially because of like leia there's so much tragedy in leia's life that mm-hmm. i was like i just can't fathom a story that also ends with like <laughs> her husband dying her son being evil the end so yeah i think i was always really really into the idea of him coming back somehow um for Raylo, definitely the same as you guys in fact i it's been even more recent for me i don't think i left the last jedi like super like they're going to fall in love and this is going to happen. But that definitely like planted the seeds for me. I think I left force awakens still kind of like not entirely convinced that they weren't going to do like some kind of relation thing. I just didn't trust star Wars to not do that at first. I was like, (laughs) they're going to be cousins or there's going to be something going on. And then obviously as like the story became more clear in the last Jedi, I was just like, Oh yeah, I don't, yeah, no, totally. They're like touching hands. They're <laughs> they're making eyes at each other in elevators. I was like, what's going on? Um, and then more like the more I've watched the movie, the more I've kind of sat with it, the more it grew on me um, for sure. So it's been kind of gradual. Oh, so that that's really interesting because I know when Charlotte and I first came out of The Last Jedi, because there was so much backlash against the Raylo community after The Force Awakens that it was like you – like Charlotte and I felt a lot of hesitation even saying that we were thinking about maybe possibly supporting Raylo in a romantic way and that but like immediately after Last Jedi we were like something something is going on there <laughs> when Caitlin and I walked out of that theater we were like uh, we have to talk about Raylo that was like <laughs> did we like, experience that like <laughs> what was happening <laughs> I know I feel like I had the same reaction because I I wasn't like super duper aware of the Raylo community honestly I knew it existed, but I wasn't like reading anything mm-hmm. about it. Um, and yeah, so when I also, when I left that movie, I was like, oh man, <laughs> like, they must be thrilled <laughs> right now. Cause like, there's definitely a lot to chew on. And uh, then you, and then you kind of dive deeper into the Raylo fandom and you realize like, whoa, these 
people and mostly women have been theorizing about what happened in The Last Jedi for the past like two years. And they got so much right. It's just (laughs) so surprising. When I didn't even realize that either after I saw The Last Jedi until like I really began to dig deeper and I was like, whoa. I've been, you know, I've been kind of blind to this whole subsection of fandom for so long. It was crazy. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I actually feel like weirdly guilty just because I think I've maybe written it off in the past too. So I've evolved. (laughs) So if I've said anything (laughs) in the past that was like anti-Raylo or or weird about it, I probably have at some point. And I I feel kind of bad about it now because it's like, oh no, it's like feeding all of my interests right now. (laughs) So I've like gone back and atoned. I feel well, like I've I've done that as well, and that's just that's just like the human trajectory, right? Yeah. So you just mm-hmm. kind of learn and grow, and your interests change, and what you learn changes your own perception of things, which is in a, in a way kind of very Star Wars as well. Yeah, yes. totally. Well, we were just talking about this kind of um, before we started recording, but the fact that we don't have the whole story yet, so there. Like before The Last Jedi came out, I mean, I remember Charles and I doing episodes where we were like, Ray and like Ray and Kylo are going to be like we foresaw them having this huge impact on each other. But I think every time we talked about it, we were like, Yeah, but not like romantic. Yeah. <laughs> but then we saw The Last Jedi and it was like, Okay, no. Um <laughs> we, were, we were a little wrong about that. I eat a lot wrong. And then it's like you go back and you watch The Force Awakens, you're like, oh no, I see what they were seeing now. I didn't see it before. I was choosing not to see it because people on the internet were telling me that that was a bad thing to see in the story. But now I have this other piece and it's like, oh, it all makes sense now. And I think that's that's part of what makes me both really excited and a little bit anxious for the la- for the rise of Skywalker about how that story is going to end and the things that I, I feel really strongly about right now. Um, how is that how are my perceptions going to change and my opinions going to change once we we do have that complete trilogy and saga? Totally. Yeah. And I think also we talked a little bit off air about this, but so far, all the marketing stuff for Rise of Skywalker is like not doing anything to dissuade our interest in Rayla. <laughs> like constantly fed. Yeah, yeah constantly, yeah. constantly. It's just like okay, like that's actually probably what's even like fueled it a little bit more for me. Like just seeing all this even more stuff as more stuff comes out. Just like okay, it's getting a little harder to even like kind of deny. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It makes me it makes me really happy to see more people kind of. I don't know, kind of, for lack of a better term, like awaken to the fact that this is the central conflict in the story. And I I feel like some people might feel a sense of bitterness towards that, but I'm just like, yes, more people, like, please, (laughs) like, appreciate the sequel trilogy. And to me, I feel like once we have that, like we all mentioned, like, once we have that final piece, I feel like it will become super clear in a similar way that it was super clear what the story of, like, the full saga was about when we got that final piece in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think just realizing that this is that these two characters are in tandem with each other and the whole story is feeding them as like this one protagonist at least that's what I believe mm-hmm. um and what it's been kind of told to us I do think the pieces hopefully will fall more into place for everyone <laughs> mm-hmm. completely agree so to be a little a little super Raylo even more so what is your like ultimate Raylo moment from The Last Jedi or The Force Awakens Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think honestly, 
that elevator scene <laughs> when he's that taking her to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I just like that's when I'm like, you. It's really hard to deny that there's something else going on here. Like, especially when she like gets up to him and like whispers in his face. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> this he's is like very- staring at his lips. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of is like staring at her lips too. It's very like it's very sensual to me. So, um, I think that's what really cinches it for me. Th- that whole sequence that follows also, but. But that moment in particular was when I think I was like fully aboard. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, that's my moment too. Um, I remember watching it for the first time because at that point we'd already had the, you know, hand touch. You, yeah, the hand touch, and you know, can you put on a shirt or something? And I was like, this yeah. is this is str- like I don't know what they're doing here. And then we get <laughs> the, the last ele- fifteen minutes of this movie have been <laughs> a <Yeah>. roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to the elevator scene, and I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I think also, I mean, going back to girls, I feel like I've seen Adam Driver in like romantic situations so much because of that show that it just, the way he was acting in that scene reminded me of of things I've seen him do before and like in a romantic kind of situation. So Mm -hmm. I think it was hard for me to like separate that part from it also. That's so true. I always go back to remembering that when uh daisy and adam had their screen test together for chemistry they read scenes from pride and prejudice oh gosh and i'm like oh yeah. okay <laughs> makes sense <laughs> yeah. it's one of so my much... favorite little 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 uh yeah i'd know, for- facts. forgotten about that too i i just recently i tweeted this too i found like an old interview of jj abrams from like before um the Force Awakens even came out a few years before where like he had said that there would be like a central romance in the new uh, films. And I was just like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't know what else <laughs> that would be referring to, or, if, you know, I guess things can change, but I was like, Oh, this is really, really fueling my fire as well. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's like, can't stop, won't stop. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Every little thing is just like a little bit more. So the reason why we really wanted to have you on is because you've been doing so much great research, I think, in your articles and providing examples and everything about mythology and the character of Rey. And I was wondering if, like, maybe we could just start a conversation about, like, how do you view Rey and, like, what are some of the, like, key characteristics that you would pinpoint to Rey? Yeah, so Rey is, like, easily by far my favorite character in all of Star Wars, which I think again goes back to like why the sequel trilogy really matters to me. I was drawn initially to her in Force Awakens, honestly, in those opening moments where you just see her kind of loneliness and her isolation uh, on Jakku. It's something about that just really drew me in. So I've been very fascinated with her as a character from that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I just see her as this very compassionate, very lonely, like I said, character who's just, waiting for something to happen and waiting for the opportunity to use her kind of purity and her goodness to make a change. And that's something, you know, as I've been reading more about mythology and kind of going back into what I learned in undergrad and stuff, seeing a lot of patterns between that and characteristics of, of goddesses and deities from, from stories forever and kind of mapping her onto that has been really fascinating. 
Yeah. So, I mean, kind of going off of that, I mean, I, th- I feel like a lot of people in the Rello community, we often talk about the Hades and Persephone kind of parallel. Yeah. Um, but I know that you've been doing a lot of research, like you said, and kind of connecting these other um, cultures and mythologies that have very similar patterns as well. Have there been any that have stood out to you in particular? Yeah, well, I think the thing, so I've recently gone back and I've been reading Joseph Campbell's Goddesses, which I think I read in undergrad, like I mentioned, um, uh, a long time ago. So there's, it's basically just tracking like stories of, of female goddesses, as the title mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of says. Um, Good yay. <laughs> and stories <laughs> of like feminine energies and all, all these different stories about feminine uh, deities. And so Um, Yeah, and going back and reading some of that, I really started to see all these parallels between Rey and Sunlight, which is kind of, you know, obvious from her name, which evokes a ray of light. But man, there's like a lot of stuff about the sun. (laughs) There's so many sun myths and there's there's so much. It's almost impossible to to name even like to to pick out one that particularly speaks to me. I think um, Miracy, which is a Miracy, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong uh so i apologize in advance but um it's a buddhist goddess of light um her name translates to ray of light she was one that really kind of stood out to me as a a goddess that in worshiping her it's supposed to like provide this enlightenment towards selflessness and compassion which are two things that i really again associate so much with ray um and yeah, I think also to tie it back to Sun, something that I wasn't fully aware of, but I just recently, I had seen the art of the Force Awakens book, but I recently purchased it to like really go through it and was reminded that Ray's original name was Kira, which mm-hmm. is in throughout that entire book. Uh, I know, I think Daisy Ridley has even said like that was the name until like right before production. And Kira is a name that's also really associated with sunlight. It's the feminine form of Karam, I believe, again, pronunciation, um, which is Sanskrit for beam of light. So Ray's alignment with light has just always been a part of that characterization. And again, to bring it back to Raylo, <laughs> there's so much like sun and moon mythology that's really fascinating and how they work together. So yeah, that's mostly been like what I've been focusing on lately. One one of the things I like about the light aspect, like the name of it as well, is that like Luke is a name that's associated with the word light as well. Yeah. Um, and there's just that continuing parallel for them. And I love how you're talking about like the sun and moon aspect of it because um, I think, you know, the yin and yang symbolism that is just so prevalent throughout all of The Last Jedi, like almost to the point where it's too much, but – I'm also like, give me more. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, It just speaks so much, I think, to the role that Ray and Kylo are going to have in The Last Jedi. And kind of what you were saying is so much of the marketing has been like, here's Ray and Kylo together on the same yeah. cover doing the same thing. Like this balance and the, and the sun and moon aspect of it that we see throughout all these different types of mythological stories and different cultures. And and the details are different, of course, um, depending on where you are, but they're all kind of pointing to the same thing, which is this idea of balance and um, these different mythical characters, like honestly having compassion for each other and doing a lot of times like great sacrificial acts for each other as well. 
Yeah, something else that's interesting about that too, you know, we were talking about two halves of the same protagonist. Honestly, depending on like what language you're in, sun and moon is either feminine or masculine and reversed. Mm-hmm. So like in an, almost every different culture, it's it's something else that's related to their gender. So I just found that really fascinating too, that they're almost like interchangeable and they work together. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Because like Artemis and Apollo, Artemis is yep. the moon goddess or Selena, and then Apollo is the sun god. But then, you know, like you have a myth like Hades and Persephone, and it's very much like winter and spring. Yeah. <laughs> um, and these 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 opposites attracting. And when you when you were kind of sending us some of your show notes, I'm um really into like Egyptian mythology and mm-hmm. they reminded me of the myth of Osiris and Isis. And they were a married couple who gave birth to Horus, who was like a a version of the sun god kind of. Um, but it was like they like Osiris was sent to the underworld like he was the first mummy but Isis was the one who was in charge of like preparing him for the underworld and like being there for him and like collecting all of his body parts in order to be mummified and like they were together and they were balanced and she like went into the afterlife with him but then would come back out in order to take care of Horus like up in the mortal realm and there's just I don't know there's so much in every different kind of culture (laughs) that speaks to these kinds of balances (laughs) Totally. Yeah, I love that. And it's, it's almost impossible. Like if you're reading through goddesses, the Joseph Campbell book, it's almost impossible to not just immediately like start relating Ray and Kylo to every single thing you're reading in that book. Like I almost had to stop myself because I was like, I feel like I'm making all these giant, these giant leaps, but it's true because Star Wars is like an American myth. So it's this repetition of story, just in this new version of how we consume it. Yeah, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I I own the Goddesses book and I was flipping through it um, last night and before we were recording and I also had the same experience of being like, oh my gosh, I have to pause here and underline this quote because this is so about Ray and Kylo. Oh my gosh, <laughs> and yeah. It's just so funny to me because I, I don't know, I feel like I find myself often when I'm talking about Star Wars or I'm reading about literally anything that's not Star Wars, somehow relating it back to Star Wars. Uh-huh. And I think that that's often kind of, I, I kind of make fun of it in my head. But I do think that like these, like you mentioned, these myths are so incorporated into the fabric of Star Wars that I don't think that sort of relation can be ignored or nor should it be an, ignored at all. I think that like, these are the things that the creators are so um, aware of, especially like story group and writers, especially given the fact that Joseph Campbell, his, his documentary series that's on, on Netflix, it was recorded and filmed at Skywalker ranch. Like there's, there's these distinct connections between um, the works of Joseph Campbell. You can think whatever you want to think about him and him personally, but I do think that that it's it's worth noticing and looking at and diving deep into. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever I write something about Star Wars and I mention Joseph Campbell, it's I literally refer to him as like a character in Star Wars yeah. because it's so it's impossible to talk about the mythology of Star Wars or anything to do with its conception and not mention him because he's so such a part of it. And yeah, again, regardless of like how you feel about him, it is just George Lucas talked about him so much and how yeah, he developed. Yeah, so inspired by him. Yeah, and it's easy to, again, like when you go back through the books and, and his writings, it's it's completely impossible to not just like, for your brain to not be set on fire with everything that you read because you can find a different way to relate it back to Star Wars. 
Well, when you were um, we were talking about Charlotte about how we can see you know the Raylo relationship kind of depicted in in everything that we come in contact <laughs> with through <laughs> daily life. I mean, that's the whole point of the hero with a thousand faces. Part of it is that Joseph Campbell was picking up on these patterns that have been told in a hundred different ways, but have the same foundation throughout all these different cultures. And like, okay, why is that? And it's because we're all talking about the same thing. Like we're all talking about the same kinds of morals and, and ways to live your life and challenges that come up. And, you know, of course, like things like weather patterns and, and disasters and things that happen like that. Um, but, you know, like you mentioned, Lindsay, Star is, is modern mythology. So, of course, it's going to play on those foundations. And the fact that we do relate so many things from other art forms, like songs in particular, I think of, to what's going on in Star Wars, it, it makes sense because they're all like they're they're all going back to those same like foundations that we have on like an emotional level of like love and opposites attract and morality and doing what's right or understanding what's wrong and what is a moral gray area, which I think is what Star Wars is really playing with now, which I think in a lot of ways departs from the type of mythology, like ancient mythology. Um, of course, like gods and goddesses do a lot of questionable things, but it's often painted in like a morally black or white way, whereas now Star Wars is kind of delving more into that gray area, which I think is what we're really seeing with Ray and Kylo. Yeah, I think it's so reflective of just like how we have to kind of force ourselves to look at the real world too. Like nowadays, you know, modern, the modern world is so, there is so much extreme black and white in terms of how we, we look at people and and everything. And, and that's what I truly, I think also going back to Ben Damption is something that has helped me kind of, change how I look at the world and how I try to process like people's lives don't have to be made up from one or two choices. You know, it's, it's about how you progress forward and mythology just helps you in, interpret that really. It's how we interpret the world. Mythology is kind of how we not is kind of, it is how we interpret the world and it's why those myths were, were told for so many generations. They were, they were the way they were. And now Star Wars is like, like we've been saying, is our modern day mythology. So when you hear people kind of talk about the fact that Kylo has had like two chances basically and he's rejected them both, um, how like what is your kind of thinking as far as how it could relate back to different myths we've seen of why mythology or redemption is still in the cards for him in episode nine? Yeah, that's interesting. I think for for Kylo, when people say that he's he's had all these chances, it's like, it's true. And it's also, we've had all of these, we've created those chances in our head. You know, I, I don't know that he's necessarily strayed off path from what he was doing this whole time. Uh, I think it's just been presented to us because through Ray, you know, to bring it back to her, she's seeing, sensing this hope in him. Other people are sensing hope in him. But I don't know that he's necessarily been like, presented with finite places where he's like continued to choose stuff. I think he's just on this path and people keep interjecting and hoping that it'll change. Um, and I think it will change, <laughs> but I, I think that, you know, that goes in, there's so many like throughout myth, the fallen hero, which is kind of how I view Ben is such a, such a common trope. You know, you see it with Hercules and you see it with Gilgamesh and there's these, characters who are now regarded as heroes who fell in or, or who either came from places in time when they were making terrible choices and were presented the option to change over time or they were heroes who fell and rose back up 
But it's funny because we're seeing Kylo at such a specific time in his life that we haven't really been presented with who he was before all of this. So I think that is where people get, they get a little murky in how they, they view the idea of Bendemption because they've only seen him as bad. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, we're two thirds of the way through the story. I don't know what information will be revealed uh, in Rise of Skywalker or in supplemental materials and whatnot. But yeah, I think it's just the fact that we've only seen him bad is making it hard for people (laughs) to believe that he could be good. (laughs) Well, as you were talking, um, it reminded about like seeing heroes who have fallen and then been redeemed or redeemed or people who have been heroes and then fallen. It reminded me a lot of the myth of Heracles or Hercules Mm -hmm. and how there are two like main versions of his story because Hercules goes through the 12 labors, right? Um, But in one version of the story, the, the myth begins with him murdering his children and wife, and then he goes on his 12 labors as a form of atonement. But then in another version of the story, or he does all the 12 labors and his reward is coming home, um, but then he is like basically brainwashed by the goddess Hera, and then he kills his wife and children, and he wakes up and – you know, he's, he like had this homecoming, but then he killed his whole family. And that's like such, those are very different stories. Yeah. <laughs> and very different, um, like very different characters, I guess, if you're like reading the character of, of Heracles about mm-hmm. like what he's doing on his 12 labors or to what end, because in the first version, he's doing it as atonement. But in the second version, like he already did that and that was what made him a hero. But then he comes back and does this awful thing and can he move on from that? Can he still be a hero from that? History still looks at him as a hero, which I think is interesting. Um, but I think the the thing that I feel like we're kind of dancing around here with Kylo and his redemption is that even though we have like Ray is the the thing that's going to make the difference here. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that's really obvious in a lot of the things we've been talking about and in a lot of these myths is that balance component of it and also that like light and compassion that you kind of started the conversation talking about um, is that Ray has such this overwhelming compassion even when everyone around her is saying you shouldn't. And I think like as a society, we look at a character like Kylo, especially given a lot of recent events and say like, no, 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 no. Like that doesn't deserve forgiveness. But then you have someone like Ray who comes in and she's like, you can still have compassion for a person. You can want better for them and you can be angry with them and give them space. And at the end of the day, it is their choice. But we still have a responsibility as like humans to give that compassion out as freely and as generously as we can. Yeah. It's pure selflessness. And I think selflessness is something that makes Ray so different, even in star Wars. I mean, Luke was selfless. There's elements of selflessness throughout, but she's like the most prime example that we have of that, of someone who her compassion is so overwhelming that, yeah, that she's just, it's its really her defining characteristic more so than anything. Um, and to kind of, to tie that back into myth and the sun and moon energies and whatnot that we were talking about, I just keep thinking in a lot of the stuff that I've been reading, there's this idea of the eclipse, you know, of the sun and moon casting shadows on each other, but the sun is kind of the larger and more fertile of the two. And ultimately the sun and moon work together. You know, they, they keep the balance of, the tides and and the world Mm -hmm. held together. And that's, that's really just how I've come to view Ray and Kylo as, as, you know, this sort of 
this force that feed, raise this larger, more encompassing force that, that truly fuels the world, Kylo just helps her do it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love um, you talking about compassion with Ray because I don't feel like we talk about it enough, or at least I don't, but comparing it to Luke, I think is so great because Luke, of course, is known for his great compassion for Vader, but Ray's almost means more because she doesn't have that connection to Kylo when she shows him that connection. Whereas Luke has spent his whole life wanting a father and he finally found his father only to find out that he was evil and like still loved him. And of course that's monumental and like so inspiring. But the fact that Ray was able to show that same level of compassion, if not more for someone she didn't even know, I think just, again, it just speaks volumes about who she is as a person. Yeah, totally. And Ray also, I mean, her compassion extends even just beyond Kylo into the the resistance, you know, her story when mm-hmm. she goes to Luke, it is about herself, but it's more about finding this like sigil of hope. Um it's it's not just an inward journey. So, I feel like that's that's really reflected, you know, her her love of pretty much everything that she encounters is so just heartwarming <laughs> too, you know. Every time I watch The Force Awakens, I'm just like, oh, she's so delighted by any kind of return of affection and it just feels like this kind of unique thing, you know, and it probably has a lot to do with her being a female, uh, not to gender everything, but I think it is kind of played into this concept of myth and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, you just, she's so, she's longing for some kind of purpose and is so thrilled when she gets it that she can do nothing but give it back up, you know? Mm-hmm. I was interesting when you were talking about like the sun and moon and if Kylo and Ray represent those, then they they kind of control everything kind of yeah. the, you said it much better than I just did, but it made me think, I don't know. Are you familiar with the Mortis trilogy in the Clone Wars? I am not. I, I've seen the Clone Wars once a long time ago and I keep meaning to go back, but no, please. No, it's no, it's no worries. I just, I really feel like you would, if you respond to that sort of myth, like you yeah. might really like these three episodes in the Clone Wars called the Mortis arc, essentially. And it deals with like these quote force gods. You have the, the father, the son and the daughter all kind of keeping everything in balance. And it kind of deals with, um, what happens when things are thrown out of balance and like the the physical manifestations of that. And it is really, truly the closest, I don't know, it's probably the weirdest Star Wars has ever gotten and perhaps the closest to thing to that sort of, I don't know, strange um, kind of world-defying myth that yeah. – that we've ever seen in Star Wars. And I feel like you would really like that. So I highly recommend that to you. But I do think that there's a lot of discussion about like, if, if that exists already in Star Wars and we have a representation of the balance, which some people even have criticized as perhaps too, too on the nose, then what does Rey and Kylo, like where do Rey and Kylo fit into this? Because they, this exists and like, they are already such powerful force users that potentially something similar to this will come up again. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think Star Wars, you know, obviously repeats itself, maybe not repeats itself, but a lot of the stuff. No, it totally does. Yeah. It's very cyclical. And I don't think you just put stuff like that into the lore and the mythos without making it important in some way. 
down the road. And I think, yeah, I think all of these, it'll be funny. We were kind of talking about going back and watching stuff before. I think it'll be really fun when we fully have the final picture of Rise of Skywalker to go back and just see how much stuff fits into like what they're doing again, how mythology, how we can interpret it in all these different ways. I'm sure we can even interpret the mythology of star Wars in different ways. Totally. Yeah. Once it's all out. Um, yeah. So I have to ask, um, the bull games that's in goddesses by Joseph Campbell. I don't know how familiar you are with it, but I am not familiar with it um, really at all. So I was wondering if you could talk at all about that and kind of how it does relate to to Ray and, and then Kylo's story as well. Yeah, I, I'm not super, I will fully admit, I don't have like a super in-depth knowledge of it. And I'm sure if anyone has read Goddesses or any, you know, any of Joseph Campbell's collected works, it it's very funny. He is kind of stream of consciousness and how he like writes about things. So his thoughts aren't always totally gathered. <laughs> and, like he'll, he'll be talking about the, you know, the bull dancing and then like immediately he'll be like, and then the sun, like it, it's very hard to kind of track where he's going with, but from what I could kind of pull from that. And again, having more of a passing knowledge of, of that is that the concept, it kind of goes back to what I was saying with the eclipse and with the sun and moon myth, he kind of relates he relates the two things together. So the matador is like the sun killing the moon essentially in bullfighting, but in another form of bullfighting, it's something called bull dancing where the two work together. So the sun leaps over the moon (laughs) as opposed to Mm. intersecting it. And that's something I wrote that piece, which I think was, I believe Nat, uh, Ashes for Foxes on uh, Twitter Mm -hmm. was the one that first made the connection to that happening in the Rise of Skywalker trailer, basically, of Rey kind of leaping over this bull-like figure that is the TIE Silencer. So, yeah, that's something that I'm super, super, super interested in. That's going to be a really fun one to go back once we have the movie and see if that continues to track. Absolutely. I feel like the trailer really does leave us in this hanging... I don't know, this hanging sense of obviously where is Ray going? Is Ray jumping on top of the TIE fighter? Is she jumping inside of it? Is she slicing it in half? There's a lot of different ways that this could go. But like you mentioned, could it go the bold dancing route where it's it's a little bit more pacifistic, right? right. Or or could it go the, the killing route, which is like <laughs> kind of the modern matador right. uh, situation? And I feel like it's really interesting to examine that. And like you said, once we have the movie out, it... I don't know, it will be obviously completely revealed there and it will be fascinating to examine that in, on a mythological symbolic sense. Totally. Yeah. I feel like I've talked about with so many different people that just that one moment from the trailer, <laughs> this is what I like love about JJ Abrams trailers is that you like have no idea what he's trying to tell you. Um, it's so great. I know it's so good. <laughs> and it's like feeding my career right now too, because I can just write like theory <laughs> posts about it. But um, yeah, there, there's so much that you could possibly like, glean just from that like one minute scene it's like uh, I've thought about it so much (laughs) yes I mean obviously so have we it's so crazy where it's you know it's a two minute trailer maybe not even and you have like one whole minute of just this kind of quiet resolved scene and I think it is meant and up for interpretation and I think that's this is exactly like us talking about it right now is exactly what the creators want because it truly can go in all these different directions. I personally think it'll go in the more pacifistic direction. Yeah. But (laughs) yeah, a lot of people people are like, is she gonna like 
you know, stick the lightsaber into it. I I really interpret it as like them working together in that moment because mm-hmm. I don't see why he would be like barreling towards her if he's he's not shooting at her. So I'm like, I don't exactly. Yeah, but that <laughs> might just be being optimistic. <laughs> I know it, that always reminds me of people's um, talking about you know Ray closing the door at the end of at the end of the last Jedi like she's done with Kylo I'm like if she was done with Kylo she would have killed him when she yeah. left the supremacy like does everyone forget that she left him alive right right and it's like yeah you can close the door that doesn't mean you locked it exactly yeah. We, yeah. we always call it a hang up it's just a hang up it's not like a blocked collar yeah yeah there's yeah, a difference totally. <laughs> totally yeah I think it's more symbolic in that moment of just like I'm done with you for now, but I can't, like, escape that you're still behind that door. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're still there, but I'm going to ignore you for just a little bit longer until you figure some things out. Right. Now I'm just picturing him, like, standing at her doorstep with, like, a bouquet of flowers really sadly, (laughs) (laughs) waiting for her to open the door. He's going to have his, like, say anything moment with, like, the boom box. (laughs) Right, right, right. Just wooing her back. (laughs) Standing outside her window on the Falcon, Finn and Poe are like, what the heck? (laughs) Not expected. (laughs) I want it to happen. I know. There's a fanfic, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) So many good, so many good AU fanfics. Yeah. The bull, I think, is is so interesting because, like I said, I, I don't know a lot about it. Um, but in ancient Greece, there's like a whole cult of the bull, um, yeah. and there's the the myth of the Minotaur and the labyrinth and how. But like where the Minotaur came from is that this woman fell in love with the bull, um, and they gave birth. Well, she gave birth to the Minotaur, um, and then the Minotaur was trapped in the labyrinth. Um, and then there's also like the rape of Europa, which um, is when Zeus took the form of a bull and then basically lured the, I don't think she was a goddess, but the human Europa and then had children with her. And like the bull is always very tied to like these very masculine um, emotions and like identities and stuff like that, sometimes for the worse, like in the, the case of the Europa myth. Um, but I liked how you were talking about it, like the difference between killing the bull and the bull dancing or dancing with the bull, because that's like obviously a lighter connotation. And like you said, like working in tandem with each other, which is something that we don't really see in older mythologies. Um, And then like, of course, like the eclipsing. And I don't know, I just I really enjoy how you talk about like Ray's light eclipsing Kylo's darkness. and. Because she, like, she is the difference. Like, if you go back and you look at all the patterns throughout Star Wars that we've seen so far, Ray fits into none of that. <laughs> and yeah. that's ha- that's why she's our main character. And I think that's why we relate to her so much for a lot of different reasons, whether it is because she's a woman or she's, you know, in regards to, like, the three of us, like, in our age bracket. And, you know, but it's also because she is such an outlier to everything that we've seen before throughout the saga. And she is going to be the one that eclipses that darkness in Kylo that – is generational but also like just a piece of him as well and i don't know i just, i really enjoyed the way you described it like it made a lot of sense in my head oh well thank you it's funny that you bring up the labyrinth also because i was just before like signing on to talk with you guys i was reading a little bit about labyrinths too and again letting my mind go crazy because you know you read one myth and you're just like how is this going to happen in the rise of skywalker <laughs> but it's really <laughs> a lot of times like labyrinth you know it's associated with like trips to the underworld too and, and navigating all of that and it i really i really wonder if we're going to see some kind of like 
underworld representation or something. Again, that might just be me being super mythy, but I don't know, especially with that Hades and Persephone idea, you know, are they going to make some kind of, some kind of cross into this other thing? Cause that's something else you see in myth constantly or, or trips to the underworld. Um, and I don't feel like there's been one or even like a metaphorical one so far. So it's know. interesting that you say that because I totally agree. I really hope that we get some sort of, uh, honestly, some look beyond the veil, if yeah. that makes sense, in yeah. The Rise of Skywalker. But I do think that metaphorically in The Last Jedi, uh, them, uh, Ray and Kylo entering Snoke's um, boudoir, as yeah. DJ called it, <laughs> can be seen as passing into hell and just like – the the way that it is so depicted in red and even just like any sort of um, symbolic parallels to Twin Peaks, which I know you're really familiar with as well. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that is – I think that that symbolism was there and it's even noted in The Last Jedi um, Art of Book. Yeah. But I do – I'm so with you that I, I think I want something a little bit more mythic and a little bit more less literal in terms of the hellish descent. And – I, I've also forgot to mention, like her even coming into the supremacy in a coffin, also oh, kind yeah. of dictates this. But I think that I definitely want to see something about like what is beyond. I, I need to know that. Yeah, yeah. And I we feel like that know. would be also so <laughs> interesting to see for for Kylo, for Ray. I, I don't know. I, I think that it can only get weirder from here yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. I think that it just like the way that the sequel trilogy has pushed the boundaries of the force in each episode beginning with beginning with the blaster being <laughs> being totally frozen midair in like the first 10 minutes of The Force Awakens to now even just like the force bond existing. I feel like it, it just keeps getting weirder. Yeah, I'm really like crossing my fingers for just super weird rise of skywalker i want some like <laughs> weird like creatures that like i don't know point to these people's like next steps and journeys i yeah i want it to get really strange <laughs> yes the son and daughter from the mortis trilogy really play into that if you haven't watched that also in rebels they have some like the bendu is basically what you were just yeah. describing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no there's definitely i want like rebels influence i need some felony influence on it yes <laughs> oh you're day. now you're speaking our language my <laughs> language <laughs> i really i definitely yeah so I've, I've watched and loved rebels uh clone wars i have like a little bit like i've watched it before bed for like a long time so there's chunks of it that i missed and then they took it off netflix so uh, i haven't had i know it's like i know it's the bane of my existence (laughs) i have like i have memory loss i feel like when it comes to clone wars like i remember certain parts but and i watched it when it was airing like from beginning to end i just i don't i i need to always revisit and i'm always like oh wow i forgot this existed (laughs) specific parts it's very dense if i recall correctly and i yeah i also remember parts of it and then just like full parts that i either fell asleep as i was watching it not because it was boring (laughs) but because i I always like put something on to fall asleep to and it like informs my dreams and stuff um (laughs) but yeah no i'm i'm really really excited for disney plus (laughs) (laughs) i need to catch up on all my my star wars lore but i think 
I think like Ray and Kylo have to have like go into that crazy force place. I mean, we've discussed this on the show before about like a type of world between worlds, which is seeing beyond the veil, which is kind of stepping into this other world um, in order to like come back changed, to have learned something new. And what we're talking about here, like the foundations of so much of what Ray and Kylo and particularly Ray are is based in mythology and like sun and moon and balance and the sun and moon have so many myths about them and all these cultures is because they control like everything um in people's lives like especially in ancient times like what the sun was doing what the moon was doing like the moon controls the tides the sun and rains determine how your crops are growing like that's what's in control that's why a lot of the times they're like the highest power um, is because they have the most influence over people's lives day to day and their survival, honestly. And like Ray and Kylo being the sun and moon or some iteration or some version of that. Um, and, you know, we talk about the cosmic force being a really big player in the destinies of Ray and Kylo. Like it all just comes together. Like it's all connected because if they are these iterations of son and daughter or even something completely different and higher than son and daughter – they are, like as Snoke says, Ray was called to be the light to meet Kylo's darkness, powerful light, powerful darkness. And whatever happens when the two of them are finally and completely on the right side will be that balance and that happy ending. But it will be because they're on like such a cosmic level of power and influence, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It really gets my like gears going when I think about that too. Because like, like we were saying, the sun and moon are like – kind of our world's balance of the force <laughs> sounds corny mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. it is kind of that way and obviously that's like what makes the wor- world go around and all of this so I'm just wondering how that in practice works for like the future of Star Wars does it mean like Ray and Kylo have to to kind of coexist for the next generation or or what you know I don't know there's a lot of different ways to think about that totally one thing that I just I, I I love and appreciate Rey and everything that she represents, but where do you think her story is going in The Rise of Skywalker? For me, it's kind of enigmatic. I think that she has, I don't know, I, I, can, I feel like I can go in a lot of different directions and everything. I just, I don't, I feel like she has reached a sense of resolve at the end of The Last Jedi, and I do think that she has more to learn, but I, to me, her arc is less clear than Kylo Ren's to me. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I was actually like thinking about that before we were recording. I was like, man, I really truly don't have a firm grasp on what I think will happen with her. And I don't know if it will be something so finite. I think a lot of like what becomes of her will probably happen in subsequent materials and stuff. Like, But I don't know what like the, the end picture of Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. looks like for her. I guess because, again, I associate Rey and, and all of the different things that we talked about with her with knowledge also and you know Mm -hmm. she has she has the books she's kind of the carrier of the world's history at this point or the galaxy's history so I guess I guess I see her maybe continuing Luke's academy and and ushering in this new this new generation I don't know exactly what that looks like though like I don't know if I see her as like a professor (laughs) or if I see her as like (laughs) something even higher than that, you know, something even more, more almighty almost than that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm very, it'll, it'll depend on if they go the kind of more deity route with her or if she'll be more of like 
humanistic. I, I really, I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that I totally agree with you. I think that there's just the way that the last Jedi ended with Luke saying, you know, raise the last Jedi. And I think there is something there that's built up that she will carry the torch at least for that. It's just, I have to imagine that it won't look similar to what we've seen before. And I just don't, I I just don't know how that's going to look. I just, I don't know. And I think it's, it's really fun to speculate. Um, But I'm truly very interested to see how, they push her character forward. Um, and I'm so with you about Ray representing and being so associated with knowledge. And now she has these books. It'll be fascinating to see how that unfolds since we do see the entire sequel trilogy essentially through her eyes and we're learning everything that she's learning in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I always try to like, when I try to speculate about the future of what things look like, I try to be like a realist sometimes about what I think the storytellers will do maybe based on like past trends. And it's very hard with J.J. Abrams because he doesn't have a history of like being a part of the ending of pretty much anything that he's created before. (laughs) So it's hard to map that. Like I truly, like I can think of all these characters that he's helped create who have endings, but he wasn't really a part of them. So I like truly have no idea what his tendencies will be there, you know? Yeah, and not to mention mystery man Chris Terrio. Where it's like... (laughs) Where, like, sure, he has his writing credits behind him, yeah, but, like, he's been so, he is essentially a writing partner with JJ for The Rise of Skywalker, but he's done, like, essentially no interviews. Like, where is he? (laughs) And I want to know what his thoughts are on Star Wars. Apparently, he's this huge, deep fan, and I, I... I think that that will help us inform like what he thinks a solid ending is, but maybe that's why they're keeping him so under wraps. I don't know. It is such, that's another enigma. (laughs) I don't know if it makes me nervous or excited somewhere in the middle. I don't know how to feel about it. I think, I mean, for as much as I feel like listeners get tired of hearing me talk about how much I love Kylo Ren, like you were saying, Charlotte, his his path seems so clear. And as you both have talked about, like when it comes to Ray, I honestly have no idea where she's headed because I feel like, like you said, her her big trial, her discovery of self was in The Last Jedi and she knows concretely who she is now in it. And I don't really see her wavering on that in The Rise of Skywalker. But yeah, where she goes at the end, I I like the I like the grandness of her and Kylo being these um, tools of the cosmic force and I really like spitting out that speculation but then when it comes to like okay well like what is she doing on a Monday right I'm like, I have <laughs> no idea like <laughs> like what's her day to day is she is she a tool of the cosmic force who's like shopping I, I don't I don't know like <laughs> I don't know what it's like. My like joke with people all the time is like, I can't wait until they do like the next trilogy and raise like a yoga instructor with like her crystals (laughs) and stuff. (laughs) Like it's just very Zen. Like that's kind of like my joke answer, but that is kind of like, I could see her being a pretty chill, just like the cool professor type uh, who's in charge of stuff, but is also all about like visiting the corners of the world and then trying to learn as much as she can and provide as much as she can. I guess in my head, that's what I see happening, but I I don't know. (laughs) 
Yeah, and that, that sounds pretty parallel to what we've seen of her. Like, in the very small amount of information we've gotten in canon about Rey, um, even in, I think it was Before the Awakening, that book that came out before or during The Last, uh, not the last Jedi, The Force Awakens, the way she learned to fly was memorizing systems and, like, a simulator so that yeah. she could, you know, she just, she was able to memorize all these different things and learn how to build things and accomplish things herself and, I do think that a big part of her story in The Rise of Skywalker has to be some sort of reacquaintance with the feminine and some sort of and I don't I don't mean this in like such a blunt way but I know that it's going to come out this way so I just have to preface this but I think that why have make such an emphasis on creating a female Jedi without leaning into that femininity in her womanhood and I feel like that needs to come full circle in the rise of skywalker i do believe it will i just don't know what it looks like yeah i wonder if leia will have anything to do with that too because so far she's at least in like the main trilogies are really only like female force user that we have any concept of so yeah i I, yeah if she'll carry on that somehow or if there will be more information revealed i'm so fascinated to see how leia (laughs) fascinated and anxious to see how leia plays into rise of skywalker Totally. I feel like if you had to keep a tally of what we've said the most this episode is, I'm excited, but I'm also a little anxious. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, Which is just it's so constant mood for the next six months. <laughs> totally. It's so nerve wracking when you only have parts of a story and like literally anything can happen. Uh, it's, it's scary. <laughs> it's exciting <laughs> and it's scary. <laughs> And then I'm reminded about all the extraneous material that we've gotten about the Rise of Skywalker or just like the story in general. And then I am back to feeling a little bit more soothed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's in these right. periods of like in between receiving the information that I get really kind of scared and anxious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really do. I mean, maybe this is again just like blind optimism in me inspired by Ray, but I really do uh, trust J.J. Abrams. Like, I think at the very least, he knows what he's got and he's a smart guy. And I think he, he started this franchise. I think he has an idea of who these characters are. And I, I hope (laughs) blindly hope that that will lead to stuff that we're all satisfied with. Same. (laughs) Very much same. Um, Yeah. That's just what I repeat to myself. (laughs) Right. Every night. Like uh, I like the word you use Charlotte soothed to like a child, like, (laughs) The art of the like, Rise down. of Skywalker book, which is like a like a comfort blanket for all us Rayla. <laughs> yeah, it's like that that scene in Thirty Rock with the the um the broom where it's just like they're there, they're there. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel. Shoulder, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did not describe that well, but it's still I knew what you meant. I've seen the gift. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I haven't, but I, I'm sure it's funny. I'm sure it's relevant. <laughs> I'll send it to you, Caitlin. <laughs> okay, thanks. Someone just photoshopped the Art of the Force Awakens book, like, or not Force Awakens, uh, Rise of Skywalker book, like, in for the broom. Tapping oh my god. Tree. Someone do that. Please send it to us. <laughs> <laughs> After Scarlett sends me the clip, so I'm all caught up. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Lindsay, we've really enjoyed having you on today, but is there anything else that we haven't covered yet that we think needs to be discussed about Ray or Star Wars or anything else that's been interesting you as of late? Yeah, I feel like we really kind of, we talked on all my bullet points. Um, mostly, yeah, I'm just, I love Ray. I care so deeply about her story. And I'm, 
not to once again be like, I'm anxious. I, I do think it will be hard because she's the character I relate to the most in Star Wars. And so we'll probably have the strongest feelings about her, you know, as it, as it all wraps up. But I really do just, I feel like she's, I feel like she's in good hands. And yeah, inspired by her own optimism, I will continue to be optimistic about it. I'm excited to see what happens with her regardless. I, I'm also trying to keep a, an open mind. That's something that I've had to to learn how to do and to not hinge my expectations on, on certain things happening. Um, just because that will always kind of set you up for disappointment. So I'm just trying to be very, very zen about it. <laughs> yeah, but. I think that's totally fair. I feel the same way. I have I have really high hopes and I think that I've gone a little, Caitlin and I both have gone a little too deep perhaps with some analysis and hopes that we want in The Rise of Skywalker. But ultimately, I know that I'll be satisfied with the, I, I feel like I've, I haven't been let down by any piece of Star Wars content yet, yeah. but I feel like I will be satisfied. And I feel like that, it, that would have happened already to me if if I don't know I had I had really high expectations for the Force Awakens I had really high expectations for the Last Jedi and I just I wasn't let down so I I hope I'm not let down again by the ending but the ending is such an important piece that I'm with you I'm trying to keep my mind open but I think uh, we'll be okay yeah well I think something else we can remind ourselves of is that like we weren't super into Rey and Kylo and all of that stuff until we saw Last Jedi so it's like there there might be stuff in Rise of Skywalker that at first surprises us or takes us you know in a whole new train of thought that looking back on it changes the whole way we look at everything I kind of hope so that's like that's what I want from a story is to be like totally surprised and um like you said look at it from a different perspective yeah, and JJ said something in some interview or video somewhere recently about how I think it was Mandy Fair about how um, the Last Jedi, you know, reading Ryan's script, he was like, "Oh yeah, like he felt like a lot more freedom to to do different things with the Rise of Skywalker um, that perhaps he couldn't have with the Force Awakens for you know pick your reason." Um, so that gives me a lot of hope. I feel like I am taking a lot of your optimism, Lindsay, and I'm just going to like keep it in my heart for the next six months. <laughs> um, I need that, uh, because you're right. Expectations are, are the thief, thief of, of joy, joy and will let you down, <laughs> um, more times than they will build you up. I feel like. Absolutely. But so for our last question, as you know, um, but for those of you who it's your first time listening to Sky Talkers, um, with our guests, we always ask our Sky Talkers Star Wars dinner party question, which is a really long name. But um, it stems from when Charlotte and I were younger and we basically had run out of things to talk about. And we would ask each other the question, if you could invite any five people involved in the Star Wars world, uh, be it a character, an actor, a writer, a I don't know, like a someone who worked at ILM, Ben Burt, anyone in the world. If you could only invite five people to a Star Wars dinner party, who would you invite and why? And so now we always ask all of our guests who come on the show who they would invite to their Sky Talker Star Wars dinner party. Um, so, Lindsay, we would like to know who you would invite to your party. Okay, so I've been thinking about this a lot because <laughs> I like always love a hypothetical. But um, I ended up going like the the actors route just because like that's where my mind goes. And then I was like, I I had a lot of different ways I, that I could interpret it, but I was like, I'm gonna pick like who I think I personally would have the most fun with. 
Um, mm. So it's not even like my favorites. Um, it's just like people who I feel like would have a good time. And it's kind of sequel trilogy biased because that's who I am. But um, so definitely number one with a bullet is Carrie Fisher. Like I know she's not with us anymore, but in my fantasy situation, she always is. Um, mm-hmm. So she's my number one. I just, she's like my favorite person ever of all time. So she has to be at my dinner party. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going off of that, I would also pick Billy Lord. Because I think she, you know, is also in the Star Wars family. And I would love to just hang out with the two of them. I feel like it would be very fun. Uh, Especially based on, like, interviews that they've done in the past. (laughs) Like, um, you know, obviously it's a little sad, too. But uh, I just think the the conversations and stuff that they would provide, especially from, like, their place in Hollywood history, also would be really cool. and then also going off of that, <laughs> I was like remembering that interview. Uh, I think it was Force Awakens. Yeah, it was definitely Force Awakens with the whole on the red carpet. And Oscar Isaac did the interview with Billy and Carrie. And the three of them oh, were yeah. just like a riot together. They were really funny. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. So Oscar Isaac's definitely also coming <laughs> to my it. dinner party. And then if I have Oscar Isaac, I feel like I just have to have John Boyega too. Because... <laughs> At Celebration, they were very, you know, just <laughs> this year really playing off of each other very well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then so for my fifth one, that's where I was like, man, I could really go a lot of different ways. But I ended up, my favorite Star Wars cast interview of all time is the What's in the Box with John Boyega and Gwendolyn Christie. It's like a Vanity Fair one where they have to like put their hands in this box and guess what's in there. It's the best ever. It's so I literally watch ever. it like once a week. It just me immediately, too. <laughs> it immediately raises so my spirits. So I was like, oh yeah. So I also definitely have to have Gwendolyn Christie there. <laughs> so oh my gosh, yeah. So that's my dinner. crazy party table. <laughs> the right. Yeah, your par- I think your party is the the like most fun party I think we've had on the show thus far. We've never had Billy Lord has never been invited. I actually don't think Oscar Isaac or Gwendolyn Christie have ever been invited. Yeah, some um, newcomers to the table. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> uh, I love bringing Billy Lord though. I think you're so right. She would be such a like such a good time. It would just be so fun to hang out with her. Totally. Wow, I might have to incorporate her into my next dinner party because I'm like obsessed. I think so too, Caitlin. Where is she? Is she going on the 2020 list? I is think she going so. on the, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, you've like sent my head spinning with Billy Lord. I did not expect her at all to show up, and here she is, and she's having a great time. <laughs> she's, she's having the best time. I follow her on Instagram, and she's just like always having fun. And I was like, I need a little bit of that in my life. <laughs> her hashtag blase on the outside but blessed on the inside is the type of hashtag I wish I could use on Instagram and like just be as cool as Billy because yeah. I feel like if I used it I would be like a total nerd and a total geek and, yeah. but when she uses it she's so cool and I'm just like I want to be you I know it's the best I always think of that too like I've been tempted to tag stuff with that before and I'm just like no I'm not on the same level <laughs> <laughs> someday i will once yeah. i get up the, enough confidence right right i like how yeah. we've just turned this into like a, a billy lord podcast <laughs> we're like oh my god yes. billy as her character in book smart oh, oh my god yes would be really funny at a star wars dinner too yes. <laughs> absolutely i think maybe that by or you know helped inform some of my choices there because yes she's just like fresh on my mind lately so good Wow. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, I, I got to remember this because I think she might be coming to my dinner party next year. <laughs> Such a good addition. Wow, you're so fun. <laughs> um, okay, well, thank you so much for being here today, Lindsay. I think this was such a fun discussion, really interesting. Um, and we're just really excited we could have you on the show. Um, but when they're not listening to Sky Talkers, where can the good people that are listening find you on the internet? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter at Lindsay Romaine. Um, and then you can also find me on Nerdist. I'm a staff writer for Nerdist.com. So all my stuff, all my Star Wars stuff will be there. Awesome. I'll link some of it down below because it is so good. And I know that so many, if you guys haven't uh, read any of it, you guys will really like it. So check it out. Uh, well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for being on. This is so great. It was so fun to have you on. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I just want to say a quick thank you to all of our amazing patrons, Jason, Gina, Shelbo, Joey, James, Kathy, Gee, Kate, Nathan, Sam, Bailey, Eric, Kelly, Amy, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, Matthew, Devin, Jamin, Jedi, Jackson, Carrie, Jackson, Raphael, David, Ada, Liz, Christian, Nicole, Jonathan, Rachel, Aaron, Brooke, Rebecca, Kathy, Katie, I Rebel, Kimberly, Ewan, Donnie, Fundacast Productions, Christian, Adam, Megan, Courtney, Centara, Thomas, John, Megan, Kate, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Manny, David, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpararoo, Patrick, James, Hampsess, and from a certain point of view, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kells, Chastity, Alaya, Travis, Katie, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Molly, Unspeakable, Caitlin, Rebecca, Helly, Scott, BJ, Casey, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, The Clashing Sabres Podcast, and Chuck. Thank you all so much for supporting us. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods, the Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.